podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, the world's most inconsistently consistent Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I'm not sure what the result will be, or even that my assumption is correct. Wow. (laughs) Wise words, Captain. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Masks, everybody. What an episode. Anyway, I guess we'll do the first thing first where I tell everybody whether or not they should watch it. I mean, it's hard to... Is masks... Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Ask your question. Is masks thought of as a sort of one of these notoriously thought of, you know, bad episodes? I don't... I don't... I mean, I know Kumail and I have thought... Like, you know, I didn't talk to a ton of people about Star Trek, you know, as a kid, sort of kept it a secret. Uh-huh. And then um, when I was talking about the bad episodes, this one came up. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, and Sub Rose is worse. But now, in hindsight, I don't know. Which one's worse? I can't tell you. Right. But the fact of the matter is... um. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Do it for Brent Spiner. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, I don't know. It seems like a, a daunting task for Brent Spiner. Slash a, I don't know. Like, did he make them write it? <laughs> was he delighted I, I i don't know i don't i know very little about him as a man and uh but i would say everything that i do know has indicated to me he would be delighted at any opportunity to do the kind of things he does in this episode oh i think anytime you know yeah especially if you're playing the same character for seven years that happens to be an android <laughs> right i'm sure anytime he's ready to he gets the stretch he's happy to whether or not it's playing 14 different songs or you know just uh hundred and fifty different people. I wonder if they shot them in order because it's 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 been a mostly it's kind of been a data light series of episodes prior to um, thine own self, and then having these two back to back is really heavy data duty. That's true. Uh, maybe it was a scheduling thing. I don't know. Um, I never thought about He's it. He's working the everything up to the delta shift. Uh, well, let's see what shift they're on in the Admirals Club. Welcome to the Admirals Club. Matt, how do they get into the Admirals Club? Well, uh, just leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and uh, you're in. You know, maybe Andy will read it on the show. Who knows? Or leave one anywhere. Leave us good, good. Uh, you know, say go on a Star Trek board and say, hey, this one, this podcast is great. Do anything. Just get the word out and send it to us. Email it to us. Don't get on a Star Trek board and do that. No? They is that, that going to annoy things, people? I'd be hurt by that. 
<laughs> yeah, that's fair. You're only allowed to say negative things if you give us a five star review. <laughs> yeah, don't invite, don't invite discourse. <laughs> I feel like uh, most of the people. Well, I don't know. I'm about to disprove it with one of our reviews, but anyway. Um, Army Hogs uh, wrote, uh, it's the best of both worlds. The awesomeness of Star Trek and the comedy of Matt and Andy is purely the best of both worlds. I've been dealing with some personal demons. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with, there with you, Army Hogs. Uh, the past several months, and this podcast has kept me going. Thank you guys for everything you do. Secunda. Well, I'm glad we're doing extra. Glad we're glad yeah. We're, glad we're, we're kicking up our, our regular podcast uh, frequency. I think people are are almost don't know how to process handle it. it. Yeah, there's so much content. They're probably now. like, I bet somebody has not refreshed it in three weeks and is going to expect one episode to be there, and then they're going to yeah. see that there's like three episodes in three weeks, and they're going to be like, "What, guys? You might want to you might want to save up your nuts for winter. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen with us. Um, well, we'll always be here. We'll always be here. Yes, frequent. sure. Uh, a journey through space and too much time um, from Trev005 maybe 005 Matt and Andy are smart they make podcasts go <laughs> I didn't know we were popular with the pack lids I'm happy about it. <laughs> seems like we'd be right on their level uh, and uh, Aaron Matthew <laughs> wrote like, us like we are funny now <laughs> <laughs> we could do podcasts too <laughs> If they can do podcasts. We can write ABC Family Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Just frame it with voiceover. <laughs> um, Aaron Matthew wrote, uh, Great podcast. If you want to listen to an extremely entertaining podcast where they dismiss half the episodes and then call out gaps in the show, which are addressed clearly in the episodes, but fast-forwarded so that they can talk more about themselves... This is the show for you. Five stars. Do we really talk about ourselves? I feel like we don't talk about ourselves very much. I uh, was thinking about that the other day. We definitely talk amongst ourselves yeah, a lot. Yeah, I don't think we talk about at, ourselves. Ad nauseum, but not, not about ourselves, no. No. Well, um, there you go. This is so, a podcast for you. Been disproved, Aaron. <laughs> we only go on hundreds of digressions and yammer about things endlessly. We do not talk about ourselves. We usually just talk about various forms of entertainment in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> um, and then lastly, love this from John Yoki. Um, just finished the first season and listening to Chaos on the Bridge now. I finish every night with an episode of TNG and start every morning with Matt and Andy. That sounds oh, delightful. That's so many hours of your life. Welcome. <laughs> you'll, um, you'll hear this in, in five years. Um, thank you all so much uh, for your review. Um, that's it for the Admirals Club. Okie dokie. Let's go to the President's Circle. The United Federation of Planets. Circle, 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 circle. Hi, everyone. This is the President's Circle. It's a magical place where people in here get so many podcasts a month now. Uh, how many? Six, We're doing seven, eight. They get eight podcasts a month. I know. We've extra, really dug ourselves extra. a massive hole. <laughs> oh, God. 
Uh, yeah, head over to patreon.com forward slash uh, Star Trek TNC and uh, take a look. Join. Get more of us. If you're, if you're like, wow, I could use many more hours of these two, <laughs> that's where you get them. Pretty much minimally 16 hours more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you get, you got your, at the lieutenant's level, you got your, we're covering Picard weekly. 16 hours there. And then if we're doing four in a month here, I mean, there, there's, I think in a month, there's, it's conceivable you could have 24 straight hours of us. Yeah. Good I mean, God. if you really want to drive yourself insane. Good God. What are we doing? You want to hear some digressions. 29 days of our lives. I have no idea. <laughs> Um. So you got your uh, your Picard. You got your uh, uh, you got an episode of Enterprise. You got an episode of Discovery until we run out. Uh, and then uh, you got your at the President Circle level. You got your Voyager. Wow. What and and of course everything on the time. Lieutenant's level. So check it out. Um. Christopher Pike, Medal of Valor. All right. Who's writing the good comments this week, Andy? This week, it is from Eric Peebles, who says, and this is in reference to the last episode, Thine Own Self, I find it hilarious to the, uh, the I find it hilarious, the solution to bridge officer engineer, the engineer, oh man, I'm so sorry, Eric. <laughs> I find it hilarious, the solution to the bridge officer engineering test is tell Jordy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Really, it's kill Jordy. I also don't know. Uh, I definitely commented on it being hilarious, but I don't. I don't know that I really underlined uh, Lavar Burton's delivery when, uh, when you know, she tells Hollow Jordy to go and basically die. It's just sort of such a hilarious, like, uh, all right, all right. I mean, I just uh, okay, just sort of like. She just told him to go clean up the the trash room. <laughs> it's, that, it's that longing look back to see if Worf is looking up and Worf Anybody? is not. No, I'm gonna do it alone. Um, that's it. We're in the priority one messages proper. Oh well, here we go. Captain, incoming message. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Kathleen Guzman wrote us uh, two things. One, I'd like to propose that Data's name should be Radioactive Iceman, Iceman being his last name, like Goldman. So I guess it'd be Iceman. Radioactive <laughs> Iceman. Uh, <laughs> interesting, interesting. I mean, and number two. Very, very clear his suitcase says radioactive. So it's I mean, true. I feel like you put your last name on there. Um. <laughs> Uh, two, maybe the reason Data doesn't remember uh, is because all the events were stored in his short-term memory, the Android equivalent to RAM, and it got wiped before it could store his memories to long-term memory, his hard drive. Okay. I mean, solution to a problem I wasn't looking for a solution for, but now that I have it, I feel better. Thank you. There were a lot of comments on the 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 logic of Data not remembering. Hmm. Um so we'll hear at least one. I mean, maybe Data just got stabbed right through the memory. Is it be in his right chest? Through that single, what, at the end? Right through that single memory chip that was storing oh, the inside. most recent events. It could be. This over here is Tuesday on my on my left rib. Um, Lieutenant Jason writes uh, to our point, I can't keep up with the breakneck speed of these episode releases. <laughs> um, it was not clear whether he was being... 
sarcastic that we were just sort of on a normal release schedule <laughs> or if he was commenting on the Patreon. I mean, it is kind of breakneck material. For us. for us, it is, for sure. That's the beauty of it. You know, you, if you get lazy enough, the, when you start doing what you should have been doing all along, people go, whoa, slow down, guys. Um, Hang on one second. My brain has been broken lately, so I think I did not drop some stuff into the Dropbox for... Oh, my friend. No. Uh, let's see if this I did. It's a disaster. It's really. It's this is the episode disaster. disaster. It's not is there an episode called disaster. disaster? Yeah, it's the one where she takes command of the bridge. Oh. You know. And then she's like, I love this. I wanted someday in a few years <laughs> decide to become a full bridge officer. Uh, okay, I just dropped them all into the. All? Thing. Yeah, How many of, are there? Four? Wow. Um, more than I anticipated. So, um, the first... This is, not a, this is not a voice hail. I'm just preparing. Um, I'm, I'm all uh, discombobulated now. That's okay. Is it... Joe Moore, Lieutenant Joe Moore... Wait, why is there a Picard voicemail in here? I think it's... Oh, then don't yeah, don't play that one. Um, I just dropped all the all the ones that I, you know, I get a lot of organizing. There's too many podcasts. Look, I'm on record as being disorganized. Eh, too many podcasts for the Secunda brain. What are you going to do? Uh, they are all locked and loaded, Andy. So whatever order you'd like to go. Very good. Uh, first, Joe Moore pitches for when we get to DS9. Mm-hmm. DS9, the next conversation. <laughs> That's stupid. I like it. Um. So I, uh, I, I play. I sort of, uh, sort of brought back Joe Moore. I don't remember if I said this on this pod. I think I said it in a Patreon pod. If <laughs> you I've already said, said it, it on both, I said it on both. Yes. Okay. That <laughs> I mistakenly. No. Did I? Yeah. In the last main pod one, I said that I again I mixed Andy, up. We recorded three, and I feel like we've mentioned it on all of them. But all right. Well, just to restack it for my own brain. There you Joe go. Joe Moore. Cosmo Moore mixed him up, made lots of jokes uh, at really nobody's expense, but just sort of saying the the mixing up of the names, um, and uh, and it turns out that they are uh, uh, totally uh, different different human beings who both follow our show, are both Star Trek nerds, and both are legally blind. Um, and here is a voice what? hail. What? This is what I was saying. You said you've already discussed it. No, this is new information. This is, uh, you know, this is he, new I just want you guys rewind to when he was saying I already covered this. This is new information. Oh, you're just saying you were saying the thing that we said before. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I was wrong. I assumed because I got a hail from Joe Moore saying, you know, t- talking to us about disability yeah. and the appropriate way to describe it and so forth. And saying he was legally blind, that I was like, oh, that must be Cosmo Moore, right. our fan, who is legally blind. And we, you know, helped in a minor way to get a Geordie-like contraption to aid in his sight. Um, and is is constantly writing into the show. He is not. Joe Moore and Cosmo Moore are totally different people, both members of our crew, with who are the, both legally with, blind. With the same affliction. Amazing. Okay. Isn't it crazy? And um, if you ask me, it just sounds like the uh, more lineage uh, 
weak in the eyes. <laughs> Could be. But also, you know, very very literate and well-read and well-spoken and, and you know, genetically, you know, uh, lean towards Star Trek, <laughs> toward utopian futures. Um, but whatever the case, uh, Cosmo wrote uh, out to me, requested me put in touch with Joe, and now they're uh, getting along thick as thieves, <laughs> and uh, they're best friends. They're best more friends. So it's kind of funny. Uh, here is a... Um, here is a hail from Cosmo. Um, I think it should just be labeled Cosmo. Let me see. Uh, no, it's thine, thine own self. Okay, and then Cosmo. here we go. Hey, man, Andy, it's Cosmo. This is a voice hail for thine own self TNG episode. So Deanna gets back to the ship and says, Hey, I wasn't expecting anybody to be awake right now except Data. Um... Aren't there three ships? Isn't, like a third of the crew <laughs> operational at any given time. That so that's a dumb statement. And she just yeah, meant uh, of people she'd care to talk to. So, yeah, nailed the ending. <laughs> it was great, Cosmo. Um, yeah. So mostly, I just wanted to play them back to back because uh, it was uh, crazy and delightful. Uh, glad you're both with us. Then we have one from Jeffy Radioactive. Cause it's yes, and this one is the ep- this episode. Oh, sorry, th- I'm not on the next uh, hail. I'm just oh, I'm just gotcha. re- reading. Uh, it's Jeffy, and then he took the last name of uh, of uh, Data's name on the uh, on the planet. Jeffy Radioactive. <laughs> This episode provides the perfect example you've been looking for. Troy, and for that matter, Beverly, both outrank Data. Yet Data is third in command of the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was interesting. I guess it's not to you. Um, uh, I mean... You don't have to pretend that it's interesting. No, it's just a fact, guys. The Portland Norm writes, Holographic Geordie was robbed for NBC and MVC. It's very true. It's really true. And other people have, have wrote in and said the same thing. And it's uh, it made me feel bad. And I think that you can tell on the look on Holographic Geordie's face that he feels the same way. Well, that's why he kept looking before he walked up, crawled up <laughs> those Jeffrey's tube. He was like, are Matt and Andy going to say anything? No, no? Nobody going to give me that. Okay. Lieutenant Scott Lieberman says, while Data certainly could dodge getting hit normally, I think in this episode, he doesn't even realize he has those skills. This is in response to Mm, my saying, come on, he could have dodged it. But I think that's valid. However, he already knew that he had super strength. So wouldn't he have sort of experimented to see what else he could do, a la discovering superpowers? I mean, he was busy trying to cure radiation poisoning. All right. I feel like he had a lot of in-between time, but okay. He was going to children's classes on science. Um, Troy would be a terrible commander, also says Scott. She actually cannot handle not getting her way or failure. She had a temper tantrum here, and she was awful when she lost her empathic abilities. I think this is a weird aspect that they've written into her character of not being able to handle when things don't go her way. I mean, I feel like it's an accident. What do you mean? Like, I think it's an accident they keep pinning that kind of an attitude on her. An accident 
in the writing? What do you mean? Yeah, like, uh, you know, it's, I don't think it's like a characteristic of Deanna Troy. I just think it's like, what suits our story this week? Well, that's how you build a character is you make choices about how they're going to react in different scenarios. So I agree with you that it's a misstep. Um, but, uh, or I guess it's only a misstep if they want us to empathize with her, uh, you know, as on a whole. But it, it does, I don't know, maybe it's interesting. She seems so cool and collected and able to handle any emotional situation that maybe it's appropriate that like many people in the mental health industry when it comes to themselves they can't really handle it when the light is turned on them I don't know why I took a shot at people in the mental health industry like that <laughs> but uh, uh, you know they're very they're very God bless them but uh, it is true a therapist might not be able to look at themselves the way that they would look at other people that's I think that's the, true right I feel like that's yeah, yeah. that's my read Feel like um, you know, uh, doctors go to other doctors, right? I mean, they would have to at some point. I mean, it's like a mechanic. Does a mechanic really want to fix his own car? I think they do. Yeah, you're probably right because it makes them feel super powered. <laughs> sure, <laughs> um, it's also cheaper. Um, that's it for the priority one messages. Okie dokie. Now regular messages. Which we'll have to take in the hallway. Oh boy. Here we are in this part of the ship. (laughs) Captain, we are being hailed. Counting frequencies are open. What's doing, everyone? Linda. Uh, does she give me a pronunciation on this? Yes, Gozan. Um, Gozan the Gozarian um, <laughs> says, uh, Hi, Matt and Andy. Uh, I love the podcast and have listened along with you both since the beginning. I also love Star Trek TNG and have watched it since the original run and have rewatched the entire series many times. One aspect of the episode that I know in self has driven me crazy since it originally aired. Throughout the episode, when Data Law has lost his memory, he used and understood the meaning of many sophisticated words, such as lethargy, phenomenon, empirical evidence, superficial observation, and combustible. But he doesn't know what the fuck radioactive means. <laughs> uh, I get there wouldn't be an episode otherwise, but come on. They already established on the ship that he that he was there to pick up radioactive material, so there was no need to have written it on the case. We still would have known what was inside, and it wouldn't have driven me crazy for 28 years. <laughs> Love you guys. Linda goes in. That is very funny. Um, all right. Now, what did I title this one? This is another. We got a Cito. We got uh, Maryland. Maryland. It's, that's that one. Okay. Here we go. Hey, guys. This is Justin uh, from Maryland. Uh, I got a bone to pick with y'all. Uh, I've been listening, uh, finally getting close to catching up, uh, to the podcast. I've been listening, you know, throughout COVID and I've been working my through, way through the beginning and I got to, uh, inheritance where we get to meet, uh, Data's mom, who's not his mom, but, uh, Android. Uh, you know, it's a wonderful plot line. Um, and I've been listening to you guys so much because of the uh you know not um not getting into spoilers 
And uh, so I really been appreciating that. And then you guys have been doing the Picard, and I told myself, you know, once I get through the podcast, like, all right, no, I'll be ready. I'll be caught up. I'm going I'm to start Picard. You know, like, I haven't seen any of it. I'm just I'm staring at it on my Paramount Plus. I'm ready to go. And then you guys start talking about, I think, you know, you know, Andrew was like, oh, maybe we shouldn't talk about this. And then you guys are, oh, it's fine. Don't watch the card. And then you, I'm, I, as I, while you guys are saying that, I'm trying to go through and turn off the podcast because I don't want to hear it. And I, of course, and like, oh, oh, here's the the surprise ending of season one of the card. I'm like, oh, God, come on! I've been working so hard to catch up. And then I finally, like, well, what's well, what's the point? Uh, <laughs> what's so, uh, the point? Yeah, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> although I do have to blame myself because it has been, you know. On streaming services long enough that I uh, should have watched it by now, but oh, I don't buy yeah. that, Justin. No. How about we not do that? Because because uh, <laughs> I enjoy listening to y'all, and uh, I don't want to have to keep uh, you know keep my 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 finger on the pod, but just in case something's going to come up in the future. Otherwise, love the podcast, guys. Keep it up. Uh, I'm so close to to being uh, you know uh, caught up, and I'm just looking forward to 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 DS9. All right. All right. Uh, sorry about the spoiler and uh, no I think uh, it's only been out for what two years and two years of something being out on streaming is like I don't know if it even counts <laughs> I feel like 10 yeah. years it takes 10 years before something is like I of course don't buy into spoilers in any way but uh, unless it's like built into the podcast and uh, Matt is always making fun of me so I thought he should hear someone else's perspective Although I understand there's a split vote on spoilers. Uh, no, I appreciate the perspective, and uh, I'm sorry you didn't stop it sooner. And I apologize if I, w- I participated in that or made the mistake myself. I don't know why Andy was spoiling things for you. I guess I just love spoiling Definitely things for people. Definitely was Andy. Yeah. <laughs> um, John Horner wrote uh, Thine Own Self MVC Reconsideration. Uh, hi, Andy. I know you don't normally do this. I feel like you need to revisit the MVC for this episode. I feel like holographic Jordy, it should be holographic Jordy wins this award. He sacrificed himself to save the holographic enterprise after all. That is all. <laughs> there you go. I mean, um, Jordy's getting a lot of MVC love. A lot of love. Chris Roa wrote, Dear Matt and Andy, you discussed what the theme of the episode was. I always thought the theme was the importance of the scientific med- method. Had Talur or the angry mob not been interfered with, everyone would have died. Whereas data used empirical data to data to uh, identify the problem and solve it through the use of the scientific method. Live long and prosper, Chris Roa. I don't know if I agree that that's the theme. Um, Chris, although I I accept that that is a point that the the uh, the episode makes, but I feel like a theme would be more sort of you know an overarching kind of thing that the whole episode sort of touches on. Um, then uh, you can play the Insensito voice hail. All right, this one's going back to Lower Decks. Hi, Andy and Matt. It's Wendy Stewart calling from Canada. I just finished listening to your Lower Decks episode, and there's nothing to complain about, Matt. Not a single quibble, Andy. Ah. Two episodes ago, we saw Worf surgically altered to look like his dick brother, who had been surgically altered to look like a whatever the hell they were supposed mm-hmm, to be. Mm-hmm. 
altered back again so that he could go to a staff meeting on the ship, mm-hmm. altered again to look like a whatever the mm-hmm. crap they were, mm-hmm. then altered back to himself mm-hmm. all over the course of like what, 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Here we have a brand new officer with no experience or training in undercover operations, and she is the only person who can be assigned to this mission because she's the only one who appears Bajoran? Bullshit! They could have surgically altered Spot the Cat and sent her instead. Even worse, Cito has just been emotionally wrung dry by Picard, torn to bits by his fake attack on her character, and then wound up into a fervor when he tells her he asked for her on the Enterprise so that uh, she'd get a fair shake. He's just turned her into a disciple, determined to prove herself to him. Between the emotional manipulation from him Mm -hmm. and from Worf and the the pressure of the promotion competition, this girl didn't stand a chance. She would have had free will to make the decision whether or not to accept this mission before all the game playing by the senior officers. By the time they got her into that mission briefing, she absolutely didn't. It's a moving and well-executed ex- uh, episode for sure, and I love it as I love all of them. But there is no logic to it at all unless they deliberately sacrificed this young woman instead of risking a more valuable, experienced operative. And if that's the case, it's awful. Love you, bye. Well, I mean, let's take a look at it like this. Okay. Let's say Cito is successful. Uh-huh. This goes on a record. It's an amazing thing to have done so early in her career. I think she gets right. promoted inside of a year. Uh-huh. And I think she, instead of now being one of the few remaining members of the Red Squadron, who's still in Starfleet, she is now looked at as a very valued member of the crew of the flagship of the Federation and I think she has her pick of ships in the fleet later in her career you know I think if it goes that way yeah different episode but also like the reality of it is Worf sees potential Picard sees potential I mean they stayed on the other side of the they fucking fired a probe into Cardassian space for her they, Picard violated a treaty don't tell me it? that she he didn't care about what happened to this girl. Well, what does the probe have to do with whether he cares about her? He violated a treaty to yeah, but try to get a hold of her to see if she was out there. They waited 36 hours on the other side oh, of the Oh, I see what you're saying. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, That's fair. If they really didn't care, they'd go, oh, well, six hours past the deadline. Let's go. Right. Yeah. That's all? So you're saying, it sounds like you're slanting a little bit, like, because you're like, yes, she's, they're, they're, she's putting her life in danger but think of the career advancement <laughs> I think it's like that's what you go to Starfleet for you know it's the yeah. same thing with Jordy going into that fucking in the you know in the simulation going into the fucking um I mean god look at Spock going into the to the warp the engine room in uh, Wrath of Khan it's like this is like this is this, this the hero sacrifice. It's 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 what we're all here for, right? I think it's a valid point, though, that it's interesting that they don't uh, they don't just dress somebody up like a Bajoran, and because also aren't they just sort of ejecting her out of the ship before they even are supposed to be captured, what? or what reclaimed by the by the Cardassians? Like, wasn't the plan? That he has her to get into oh, I mean, it Cardassian good, space. It wasn't a good plan. And then, but I guess what my point is the plan is for them to, he has her, 
And so that's what gets him past the checkpoints. But then once they're in the once they're in Cardassian space, he basically ejects her back and then she gets collected. So that was the plan, right? Yeah. So therefore, wouldn't it have not mattered that much whether it was an actual Bajoran or not? Or maybe they, in the checkpoints they make sure, do they scan her to make sure it's a Bajoran? Oh, sure, they do a life form scan. Oh, yeah. Well, then I guess that would disprove. Then there you go. Then that's the reason they do it. Um. Anyway, I thought it was a valid point nonetheless. I mean, I also Joseph, think it's a terrible plan. Yeah, it did seem like a crazy plan. <laughs> I mean... I mean, she certainly wasn't going to be afraid. This is a lady who was going to do that crazy stunt for the Meow Meow Starburst or whatever it was called. Culvert's Colbert Starburst maneuver. Starburst, yeah, Starburst maneuver. (laughs) Now, one of the Colbert Starburst crew is in jail. Two are dead, and one is Wesley Crusher. (laughs) Um, Joseph Parker writes. uh, This is also about the theme, uh, because I was I was basically asking, like, or we were both sort of saying, what is the theme? And and I think Ron Moore himself was saying he wasn't sure what he was doing in this episode. Uh, so Joseph Parker says, it is an age-old debate. What makes you you? Is it a soul inside you, or is it your memories accumulated from a lifetime of experiences? If you lost your memories, would you still be you? Data loses his memories, but still acts like the data we know. This could be a positive affirmation for him that his self is deeper than just his memories. Deanna is also on a journey of self-discovery this episode. In her attempt to be to better herself, she discovers that part of her, the, the part of her that may be able to choose the good of the many over the good of the one um, something I'm sure she never would normally do because of her empathy for all hum- for all beings so you see there is a theme for the, this episode titled To Thine Own Self mm-hmm. um, I think these are valid points Joseph but uh, I, I guess uh, part of the reason I think it's sort of not um, efficiently written, let's say, or effectively written, is that even though you're right that the memory aspect is sort of touched on and and is sort of played around with, like, and you know, you have him staring, you know, emotionally into space that he knows something about himself. I don't think it's really explored. It's usually it does get into kind of the thing the previous Hale said, which is sort of scientific method stuff and how does he solve the radioactivity and. Um, it's not. It's not really exploring. Like, does he become a different person without his memory? And or like, he's not challenged really to not be himself. Like, say he was put in an in a situation where he was re- required to be immoral, sans his memory. That would be something that would, to me, highlight more clearly the theme you're talking about. But he's not really challenged to not be data. I think. Um, and in terms of the Deanna part of it, I also feel like that's... Uh, I can see it a little bit more. I can see it a little bit more, but it's just messy is the bottom line. But I agree with you that they were circling something, and I agree with you that the title does highlight it. Anything to add, Matt? I mean, Data is... Data. His moral subroutines make him the person he is and those seem to not be affected 
Otherwise, if he didn't have moral subroutines, he would just enter arm wrestling contests and be victorious everywhere he went. Just like early Spider-Man. Just like early Spider-Man. But actually, he didn't do arm wrestling. He did wrestling. Just wrestling. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Just like early, over-the-top, slice of like, character. And he just wanted to get his son back, you know? That's true. So he had a good moral <laughs> subroutine, too. So I don't have any good example. <laughs> Question for Matt from Andy Morgan. Mm. Uh, hi, Andy. Hello, fellow Andy. Uh, Matt has mentioned... How much he loved the lighting in Star Trek Generations so much, where nearby suns and nebula light mm-hmm. the interior of the ship. Mm-hmm. Made me wonder if he knows about my favorite unseen part of the Enterprise D, a walking trail on the edge of the ship's saucer section. When ILM built the Enterprise D model, they could not get lights into the edge of the saucer section because of the internal support structure of the model. This is the same reason why only uh, the lights for 10 Forward are ever to be or ever seen to be on. Andrew Probert designed a lovely in-universe explanation for this, an observation deck along the edge of the saucer for the crew to walk, to enjoy a walk among the stars. Basically a hallway that circled the entire edge of the saucer section uh, and made use of its many hundreds of windows for viewing space. This sounds fantastic, and I would love to walk that hallway. Um, It was a place, it was to be a place where the only light source would be the alien stars, planets, and nebula at the Enterprise visits. Mr. Probert designed a set concept, but it was never built. I've attached the set design sketch. This is in your Dropbox, Matt, which shows uh, both a deck cross-section of his idea and its location in the hull. It's a fairly crude sketch. Thank you for the show, Andy Morgan. Um, if anybody is, wants me to post this, I'm pretty sure you can search for this, but if anybody wants me to post this, I will do it on the Twitter. Otherwise, it's in the Patreon. Um, you see it? I do. I think it looks. I think that would be fantastic. I would have loved to have seen that, and I would love to experience that if Star Trek was real. Sensor strip. I thought that was a phaser strip. That's cool. That's very cool. I wish they had built it or shown it at any point. It's very cool. The last thing is a prime corrective. Mm. That's cool. It's a Time for a retrospective Cause truth is our objective It's a prime corrective Cause Matt and Andy got it wrong This is a case where we both got it wrong Multiple times Jeffrey Jakes wrote uh, I'm laughing at the several minutes of digression Kicked off by the Saito Sato debate Especially since her name is actually pronounced Sito <laughs> <laughs> Keep on tightening up the top of the podcast, boys. <laughs> That's it. Look, you didn't come here to get everything efficiently, did you? <laughs> <laughs> or correct. Uh, you came for the digressions. There you didn't. And you're constantly frustrated. Folks, if you would like to send a hail to us for free, send it to sttncpod at gmail.com. Please put the title of the episode in the heading somewhere. What is your issue? The words for free. What? For free. Should Guys, I not underline that? We're not charging that? to email the show. Uh, so we're not that greedy. Huh, should we do that? How much would that be? Um... Uh, it's in comparison to if you would like to get into our priority one messages 
which I will look at everything, but they're more easily organized for, for my dumb brain. Uh, join the Patreon. Uh, leave us a, a hail uh, on the appropriate post in the Priority One messages. If you would like to tweet at Matt uh, or Instagram him, it's at Matt Meyer. If you'd like to Instagram me, I'm at Andrew Secunda. You can tweet me at Secunda. And if you'd like to send us a voice hail for free. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you what charges apply to your call, but... Uh, well, I mean, internationally, it's not free. <laughs> it's probably not free. Uh, just record a MP3 and email it for free. You could do that. You could do that. I mean, yeah. Some people have done that. Yeah, it's, um, they're nice and crisp. That way, yeah, because yeah. they're, usually, they're usually voice actors. Um, anyway, send that to 816-TREK-TNC. That's it for the hails. Thanks, everybody. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. Oh, that's right. This week's episode is Masks, which aired probably February 21st, something like that, 1994. That's correct, exactly. 28th? 24th? When was it? 21st. Hey, do you know that it was literally me pulling from my brain that the last episode aired in Valentine's Day? We may get a lot wrong, but the information is all in there somewhere. It's just whether you can make the connections wow. fast enough, whether the positronic brain is damaged or not. So, Andy, what was happening back in those times? The number one song in the U.S. remained The Power of Love by Celine Dion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I thought I would just read a little uh, uh, a little hell we got about that. Uh, Stuart Allen, story by Rick Berman and Brian Braga. Is that the, is that the story section of the... Uh, <laughs> so I was joking about she stole it <laughs> from from uh, Huey Lewis. But uh, Stuart Allen says, I was hoping Andy would realize the important detail that Jennifer Rush's The Power of Love that Celine Dion covered came out the year before the Huey Lewis song and around the same time as the Frankie Goes to Hollywood song, <laughs> which I guess was also called The Power of Love. Three songs of the same title within a year of each other. Oh, the 80s. Anyway, Celine Dion was still on top. Number I feel one like song this in the is UK. The best one. Yeah, I mean, for of the three nerds, of them? this is certainly the best. Yeah, I mean, for you know, easy listening ballad fans, Celine Dion probably would be. This was um, this was uh, because they said no to Ghostbusters and uh, felt like their music was stolen. Yeah, they said yes to Back to the Future. I mean. I would say they got attached. This is going to be so controversial. I don't even know why I'm wading into these waters. I would say they got attached to the better film. I think you're probably correct. Ha ha! Just as far as like plotting adventure, like A, B, and C, like movie? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, both fine movies, obviously. Uh,. Number one song in the UK, interestingly, Without You by Mariah Carey. So I don't know if they they released it there and then wanted it to drift over here, or or if Celine Dion actually took Mariah Carey in a head-to-head. Is this Without You? Oh, I see. It's a cover. Yeah, those Brits do love their covers. They do. Um Number one movie on Deadly Ground, uh, starring, I believe, famous Russian elite forces fighter Steven Seagal. <laughs> is, that, is that him on Deadly Ground? I don't. 
Oh, is that the one where it's like uh, there's a Native American population? That like sounds some right. Oil or something. Some shit's going down, and he's got to go defend the. Wow, I am tribe. shocked. That is that is. Uh, I think that is exactly what that is. Very <laughs> impressive. Good job, Matt. Good pull. It was, you know, this is prime my my ingestion of all media. <laughs> yeah, you're the king of ingestion of all media. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey now. <laughs> Uh, number one book, Disclosure by Michael Crichton. Number one TV show that week, The Winter Olympics Figure Skating. Births that week, actress Dakota Fanning, rapper Earl Sweatshirt. I don't know him. Uh, deaths that week, singer and talk show host Dinah Shore, comedian Bill Hicks. That's sad. Events, Babylon 5 premieres. Interesting. Nancy Kerrigan wins the Olympic Figure Skating Championship at the Olympics over rival Tanya Harding. That's it. All right. I don't know why I was spending so much time listening Here's, to You're just adrift listening to the beautiful Dulcet Frank Sinatra, Tango. come on. Da, 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 da. It's time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> time for Frank Sinatra, come on. <laughs> of all the dumb things we've introduced over the life of this podcast, how this has stuck around every week is hilarious. I, I agree. I mean, it's, I don't know, it... It's charming, to, or the people that hate it have been drowned out or have left. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, Andy, time for another was, look back. What was happening with the chairman of the board in February of 1994? I'll tell you, buddy. Uh, time for another look back in Frank's life for February 21st. Tidbit to celebrate our broadcast date. We only need to regress seven years to February 21st, 1987. To see Frank on the cover of TV Guide with Tom Selleck. Interesting. <laughs> Sinatra appeared on an episode of Magnum P.I. as a retired police sergeant in an episode titled oh, Laura. That sounds nice. great. It would be the last acting job he ever took. Frank requested the role after meeting Selleck in Hawaii. Oh, I love it. The episode has been singled out as one of the darkest and grittiest storylines in the run of the Selleck's show. Oh, my God. I want to do that on the Patreon. Um, we don't have enough material in there. Uh, that's it. <laughs> Imagine that boosted our numbers dramatically. Yeah. yeah. Finally, someone's talking about Sorry, it. Sorry, guys. We've just switched over to being a Magnum PI cousin. <laughs> no, no. Just the one episode. Just the one episode. That's it. Here comes the horns. Fill my heart with song. Let me sing forevermore. You are all I long for, all I worship and adore. In other words, please be true. In other words, I don't know why, but I'm just playing it out. Ready? <laughs> turn it off. Frank Sinatra, come on. I love. The way you uh, miss the you there. If you're yeah. doing karaoke in Singapore, you'd have been killed. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Whatever, they forget where it was. Anyway, 
Uh, all right, Andy, it's time to talk about this episode, uh, Masks, which was, I believe, written by Joe Minoski. Is that correct? Yep. Uh, and directed by Robert Weimer. Good old Bob Weimer. Now, I've got a confession to make here, Andy. <gasps> a confession. I so watched exciting. this episode today, okay. this morning. All right. In preparation for our podcast. All right. And I think I fell asleep for an act. I think I did. Okay. Because shit was going bad. Uh-huh. And then I woke up and Picard and Tato were walking down the hallway like nothing ever happened. <laughs> was it the end? I believe so. Uh, and I just was like, oh, fuck, I should rewatch that. But then I was like, nah, I don't want to. <laughs> Anyway, I've seen it before, guys. It's okay. What was I doing? I was going to talk about masks. Uh, I was going to read the memory alpha because I decided that Larry Nemechek's descriptions are too descriptive, and it took me seven seasons to figure this out. Seven seasons, eh? Uh, While investigating a rogue comet, the cultural archive concealed inside begins taking over both data and the enterprise. Whew. I mean, what a concise way to put it, you know? <laughs> you really turned your back on Dr. Trek. <laughs> I'll be back for him. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't you worry. Meanwhile, it's cool. Good. Wow, that's very nice. No, it She's a bridge officer, so now she has to go make sure this kid's penguin looks okay. Yeah, seriously. What? It's, I it's mean, come on, Deanna. Just By the way, she's, right. she's just patently lying. Oh, wait, no. Well, she's she's lying to him that it looks... Well, I guess you could say it looks nice. I the, think the, there is, there's beauty in a child's fucked up sculpture always. All right. You know, their their attempts are what's beautiful. Yeah. You think the wings are too big? Oh, no, not at all. Birds have wings of all sizes, Eric. And you shouldn't worry about making it look perfect. But Mrs. Nasser said we should try to make our sculptures as realistic as possible. Well, she's right. It is important that you be able to make the clay take the shape you want it to have. But you're not supposed to be concentrating on technique today. I'm here to help you focus on the feelings you want to convey with your sculpture. For instance, what do you think about when you see a bird? Flying? Fine. So, make your sculpture make me think of flying, too. (sighs) How's it going, Data? I have finished. The dimensions are accurate to within 1.3%. I'm sure they are. I think it's not a good looking pad. (laughs) So you just think, even though it's accurate, it's still not a good looking pad. He's got like deeper, he's got like, you know, uneven amount of clay removed from the Elkar's menu. And then Uh like the display, it doesn't really say anything. It's just gibberish. Right. In some ways, I feel, like, I feel like data it is imp- do that. it is a- impressionistic. The dimension, <laughs> like this, is all just are accurate. gibberish. 
It's fair. And this is uneven. They didn't really commit. I would if, be if yes, a robot I, had drone this. Yes, an android rather. Um, yeah, he definitely would have had you know lots of specifics written in. I actually, if I was on set, I would have been like, no, no, let's get a different one. Yeah, this doesn't look. This looks. This looks like somebody did it. Right. It doesn't look. You know like what? You know what would have been kind of cool is if he had finished it, and then it. He was finishing painting it, and it was literally just a pad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, she says that you're here to work on your imagination. So here's my my uh, my question or my beef about this. I feel like we've already seen Data do tons of abstract stuff, paintings. Like, and I sort of looked for them, and I found one of yeah, but Spot. like how would how would we get this mask to appear? If he wasn't making clay sculptures in a classroom. You gotta obey what you've established about the character. You've seen him paint a bunch of million different things that some are abstract and but some I are impressionistic. We have never seen him sculpt. We haven't seen him sculpt, but come on, he he would make he could make that jump. He's he's dealing this is like first season data. This is problem number one. Side note, when I went down the rabbit hole of uh of uh data's paintings, there was a there was a version of spot that he did that uh, went for seven seven thousand dollars at a an auction in Vegas. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're gonna have, I don't know. I, had, I would certainly they, it would be worth they, it to me. But I don't do you think know. they had two? Could be. And you know, how many did the production have? Is my question. Oh, you think they, the they production come out had with more it? than one? Then and the person that paid seven thousand dollars for it was like, what? Oh, uh, yeah, just yeah. devalued it collection of acoustic vibrations how can i reproduce a sound with clay well think of the effects that sounds have on people the images that music brings to your mind and then give it a form like i hate this i hate the sound i hate the molding sound i hate the speed of it i i don't I don't care that they like I just don't why show me this part like we know what Data's doing down there don't fucking do this bullshit under cranking the camera to speed up it's never gonna look good it's always gonna look like a it's gotta look like a 1960s James Bond chase you wanna see the robot man do things in super speed no not when it's like not shot correctly anyway (laughs) I hate the sound. I hate it so much. I'm so sorry, everybody. I, <laughs> I think this is just an a- ASMR thing that's bugging you. It's also like, it's that's kind of abstract of what music is. You know. Record to data. Please report to the bridge. Acknowledged, sir. On my way. Captain's log, stardate 47615.2. We have encountered a rogue comet in sector 1156. It is not native to this region of space, and there is no previous record of this object on any Federation charts. Based on its present trajectory, the comet appears to have originated in the Darcy system. It's over two sectors away. That is correct, sir. This object has been en route for 87 million years. It's a long time alone in the dark. Hmm. <laughs> it's just that Begin a full sense bachelor analysis, Mr. Data, and log the findings with the Federation Astrophysical Survey. Aye, sir. 
comet's outer shell is composed primarily of gaseous hydrogen and helium surrounding an icy mantle. The inner core consists of heavier elements. What was that lighting effect? What was that? Am I living another life? (laughs) We've got to stop scanning these things. (laughs) There was a distortion within the comet's inner core. I believe we experienced an intense sensor echo. Can you correct for it? I'm attempting to do so now, sir. I have compensated for the effect. Like, conceptually, I really like the idea. It's like finding another culture's Voyager. Voyager. If you will. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, like, so I think it's like a great sort of like jumping off point. Um, and I think the design of the city is really cool, or whatever the fuck it is about library. Uh, but the, I don't know if it's Data's. I don't know if it's Spiner's performances. <laughs> They're very the higher the fewer. Yeah, or if it's like, I don't know. It's stupid. <laughs> and then I feel like Troy should have been a little more concerned about this fucking statue in her room. Throwing techniques today. More like falling techniques. It's very creepy. Last time we did that, I was sore for a week. What's this? I have no idea. I've never seen it before. Maybe Will left it for you, a little present. It's not quite his style. Then maybe it's a secret admirer. Ooh. That's an interesting thought. That has access well, to your quarters. Come on, we're going to be late. <laughs> Ron Moore recalled, I remember seeing the initial story and saying, Jesus, what is this? It was pretty out there. And then the script came in and we all sort of scratched our heads and looked at each other and wondered what he was smoking out there in the Alps. <laughs> But when we started to examine it, get into it a little more, we saw what he was doing. He has real interesting ideas, and he approaches things from a fresh angle. Wait, who? what does he mean? What, <laughs> he was talking about Joe Minoski. He Was he up there? Did he take a vacation? What was the... What know. does he mean, the Alps? I don't know. Oh. Came back from his trip, and he had this written. <laughs> this is our next story, boys. <laughs> I've seen versions of this, and probably a lot of them all go back to TNG, as many TNG is influenced, obviously. Many sci-fi and superhero stories in the modern time of, like, it's an ancient spirit or culture or civilization that is inhabiting a present person. And I think it's really cool, and I think it's really creepy. Um, And I think the city is really cool and creepy. Um, But I agree with you that once you get into the data stuff, then it's... It's tough to fight the silliness. Uh huh. Um, like I mean, yeah, there is a base. There's a base. There's there's a base of a good idea here, or not. I don't want to say the idea is bad. Like it's a cool idea to have the an ancient library floating in space. Yeah, like that's a cool concept. The execution of it, it never really gels for me. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I followed your advice, counselor. I used my imagination. That's an understatement. For some reason, as I was shaping the clay, the image of the mask was exceptionally clear in my mind. The design seemed to flow quite naturally. 
Data, have you been in my quarters? <laughs> no. Are you my secret admirer? Someone left an object <laughs> in my room. Some kind of artifact. And it has something very similar to this. And you don't know anything about it. I do not. Excuse me, counselor. Can you help me with my terminal? It's not working right. Perhaps we should investigate this matter further. I mean, it just looks like a kid's game to me. I don't see why they're so freaked <laughs> out by it. Does me too. It is funny that this, this civilization has taken over the ship with an advanced technology, and yet it just puts uh, shitty computer graphics of the, to- of the 90s on it. <laughs> it was able to trace its path from the replicators to the sensor array. The sensors? They've been scanning that comet for the past 18 hours. Those energy readings from the comet's core... That sensor echo. We still don't know what's inside that thing. Maybe it's about time we find out. Could we use the phasers to melt down the shell of the comet? Yeah. A dispersed wide field beam might do the trick. And it wouldn't take long to come up with the firing parameters. What do you think, Dana? Data. Don't you throw me. I believe I recognize these symbols. How? I do not know. Director Robert Weimer is also not fond of the episode, remarking, I always look and find a meaningful subtext of some kind in all the shows that I've done. More often than not, they're little morality plays, and I was unable to find that in Masks. It ended up being kind of an exotic adventure story, but it didn't really have any heart. You think maybe your systems have been affected? True. It is a possibility. I do not believe my system. Oh, at a creation co- convention in South Bend, Indiana, 1994, Michael Doran cited this as his least favorite episode. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, he's not thinking right. There's no way this is the worst episode. I will run a full diagnostic to make certain. He's also not in it very much. So that may just be why he hates it. Boundary? Border? Brent Spiner says, This was one that we thought was terrible while we were doing it. We were laughing at each other's faces at the acting we were doing in masks. But it's a fan favorite. No, it's not. I'm always hearing how fans love it. And let me tell you, we could not look at each other. Even Cole Meany was laughing at me. Marina was laughing at me. Uh, I was laughing at Patrick. He was laughing at me. We were thinking, this is preposterous. But you cut it together and add the music and it kind of works. Wait a minute. Cole Meany? Calmini does not appear in the episode. It's likely Spiner was referring to another episode. Most likely Power Play. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of invalidates the take. (laughs) I will, I will, I will say this though. He could mean Calm because DS9 is shooting at the same time. Uh So he just was around, and they did use some of DS9 stages. He just popped in. It was just like what the yeah. Back in hell, what the fuck? What the fuck's going on on the show now? Message. Glad I got out while I could. <laughs> What's that one? Death. Me with a mask. That's an Apple IIe game that I bought. Captain, phases are set for wide dispersal, 10% maximum power. The beam will automatically terminate once the comet's core is reached. Very well, Mr. Wolf. Fire. Yay, I get to fire. This is cool. 
melt away the ice. Phases have terminated. This is sort of a side theory I came up with here, mm. looking at uh, at Picard's <laughs> how he responds when he sees this this ancient uh, this ancient library, which is, I think, it's not just that Picard doesn't understand human sexuality and is most likely a virgin. I think that Picard can only become erect when an ancient relic is involved, and this is the reason. That he was interested in people like like Vosh. <laughs> what about there were uh, the relics around when she was around? What about Michelle Phillips uh, in "Will Always Have Paris"? Mm, I'd have to go back. Was there any? What uh, about what about uh, Commander uh, from Lessons? God, what's her name? Commander, you know, piano lessons. Wait. Um. Maybe I guess the ancient relic involved is the flute from the... Yeah, it's the flute, yeah. Right. Okay. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Look at the shot on his face. I do Hilarious. not know, sir. The object is nearly solid. It is composed primarily of fortanium and several unknown materials. It is over 87 million years old. That's older than the comet itself. Could someone from the Darcy system have built it? I know technologically advanced cultures in that system now. But perhaps 87 million years ago there were. Why would they want to hide something like that inside a comet? Possibly it accumulated those frozen gases over time as it traveled through space. In any case, it's definitely responsible for... <laughs> I love how the three, the three people in that shot, just like the background guy, Yeah, for some reason... Everybody found what Picard was saying to be the most interesting thing ever. <laughs> Let me see again. <laughs> Possibly it accumulated those frozen gases, frozen gases. over time as oh, it traveled shit, through frozen gases. In any case, it's definitely responsible for the system anomalies <laughs> well, we're experiencing. He is. He's, He's wearing a science uniform. I should have said that. Into our computers and replicators. But the question remains, why? What is its purpose? Captain, probably something this sexual. Is an informational archive. Perhaps that, we should beam me over and I'll kiss it. I do not know, <laughs> sir. <laughs> well, we want to explore all avenues. Data. The internal structure of that thing is pretty complex, and it's got a repetitive node configuration, which might suggest a data. He's got a body pillow shaped like that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so tough. Possibility, sir. <laughs> Captain, what are you doing? We run uh, away. Nothing. Why did you knock? Why did say come? This is my wife. Very well. Mr. LaForge, give him a hand. Aye, sir. He won't let Deanna sit in the other chair. He put that fucking thing there. But if that is an archive from some ancient civilization, we should allow it to do so. But we must be careful. Mr. Worf, will you keep an eye on the sensors? If the ship is in any danger, I want you to sever the connection immediately. You tell it. Tell me if it says anything nice to me. I wish. I wish. I wish. Worf, I wish Worf just terminated the connection. <laughs> He's like, well, anything could be dangerous, sir. I just was following your orders. I love that it's so big too. It's pretty cool. It looks like it's uh, four times the size of the comet, but that, I think that's just the. Uh, I think this is in the foreground. 
Yeah. Oh, is it? I, c- I, I think like size-wise, it's probably like closer in size to the ship, I thought, because of that shot when it's following the comet. I kind of like the idea that they've... they've All right, maybe it's giant. Unearthed okay, maybe it's thing. giant. Maybe you love it. It just makes it more intimidating. Come. Look at how Captain? excited he is. Yes, come in, number one. This is what I'm saying. This is the scene that supported this. You can find the system corruption. It won't be and spreading. Almost all of them are phallic. But we still have alien symbols floating around the computer. Handling all of each one. Was the one he just picked up? Assembled. I've seen these things all over the ship. I demand that they, they all be brought here. Primitive and or an archaeological Only relic. An advanced technological society could have built that object out there. These artifacts played a ritualistic role in that society, I think. Do you think data could be right? <laughs> could we have stumbled across some sort of alien library? Oh, yes, it's possible. And if so, this is a find of the most enormous significance. That library seems designed to do so much more than simply store information. Who knows Look at what we told in this thing. From this. I keep seeing this design. Yes, this symbol seems to be of particular significance. What do you think it means? Well, the concept of the four cardinal compass directions are quite common in many different cultures. The words that data recognized in the computer, boundary, border, road, they were all arranged in this design. Well, perhaps the artifacts that all have this compass symbol belong to the same theme, movement. Finding a direction, traveling a path, crossing a boundary. And death? One of the symbols was death. The French call it the little death when you have sex. I've seen this (laughs) symbol everywhere, too. But much less prominently displayed. It's uh, always in the background, much smaller than the others. I mean, did you... <laughs> I mean, it just <laughs> looks like a tiny setting sun. I mean, just turn it around. It is strange that I was just like, it's like a sun, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a sun or a closed eye. What could it mean? Not certain. I'm experiencing a curious sensation. Well, what is it? An impulse. Impulse? What kind of impulse? I. Do not know. I would have been so. Even if he's my best friend, fucking Data acting weird and said, I suddenly have an impulse and I don't know what it is. Like, I would have been out of there. Oh, I would have I could kill you with one fucking shot. I would have just said, Data, I'm going to turn you off until we figure this out. A hundred percent. And then Data would go, that would be appropriate. Yep. Jordy. does it feel like to murder someone? when a person is losing his mind? I mean, this is... Yeah, come on, you're scaring me now. What's going on? Yeah. I do not know. Shut it down, buddy. <laughs> I mean, they should have, like, a data's gone crazy, like, alert code that, like, beams data into a brig. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a question I, I had... I guess I guess you could keep him in a in a brig, right? The the you would the 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 energy fields would keep him in. Uh, yeah, I would assume. Okay. Asaka is waking. He's <laughs> <laughs> sitting on the fucking warp core. I'm waiting for you. You should feel honored. I don't usually wait for anyone. What is it you want? Masaka is waking. Are you Masaka? 
not Masaka. I am Ehat. What have you done to Commander Data? You gotta Commander hand it to Data. both these actors. They really, you know, fucking... Spiner, 100% committed. It was insane, and he committed to it. And Picard played straight man, like, with all of his... With all the, the Shakespearean power at his disposal. Mr. Troy, report to main engineering immediately. Tell me what the crap is going on. Report to main engineering immediately. He had this place you come from. Is it a cultural archive of your species? I come from Osaka City. Are there others like you there? This is ridiculous. There are no others like me. <laughs> Who is Masaka? Handheld. How do you yeah. know? It was shaking. No others oh, like wow. me. <laughs> this? Oh, yeah. I guess to... To create more of an uneasy vibe. Or they didn't have time to set up the dolly trap. <laughs> or they didn't give a shit. It can be done. I did it. Masaka. Unclear why he thinks that's Masaka. Yeah. The, um... I don't mind... Even the setup, it's a little bit, it's a little bit too far, with the 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 change in the plates on his chest. Yes, I think so too. And they probably did that because it would be too subtle, or actually, it'd probably be too hard to constantly change the makeup on his head. So they tried to come up with an easy thing that they could switch out because really, it feels like the makeup I, on his head is more organic, and that, that would have made more sense. I think that that was a. I think they weren't sure if they, like how he would be able to pull off the different characters, and so they were like, "We should differentiate it in a more visual manner." Where I think Brent Spiner's doing a fine enough job being different. Like you don't even need that it. You don't yeah. even need it at all. Yeah. I but I think they probably that. did that as a, like a sort of a safety net, and wound up I think making it look even more ridiculous. I concur, Doctor. I've counted fourteen so far. I think the archive is using data to create different people within its culture, much in the same way it used our replicators to create artifacts. As a result, data's real personality has been completely buried. In a sense, data has the android equivalent of multiple personalities. The archive hasn't stopped yet. Data's positronic net is still being transformed. There's no telling how many more personalities might emerge. Jordy, I want you to continue to scan the archive and see if you can find some way to access it. And in the meantime, I'll see what I can learn from these people inside data. Now that, in and of itself, was, you know, obviously you gotta do it. He's the star of the show. But it's like, there's no one else on board that's better to do that. Are like, you kidding I really me? Think Deanna this is, is the one right to do up it. his wheelhouse here. This is... Because it's archaeological. Oh, yeah. He's like, get out of my way, everybody. And Daddy's he's... coming. <laughs> Supports my theory. <laughs> Look out. I'm going to find out about a dead culture. <laughs> See, 
It's like it's more of a psychological issue, but okay. I'm not going to hurt you. Only Masaka can hurt me. I am far alone. I need to speak with Ehut. Do you understand? This version of the uh, character is pretty good, I think. It's Ehut that's the trouble. Captain. I think I I like Ehut the most. You like him or you find... the most whimsical. Well, yes, he's entertaining, but he's the most absurd. He's probably the equivalent of the Masaka City Jim Carrey. (laughs) Is that what inspired the mask? (laughs) Is this episode? That was a cruel joke you played on me. For a moment. A brief moment. I actually thought that woman was Masaka. Whoever took your place wasn't afraid of Masaka. He seemed eager for his fate. Pitiful, isn't it? You won't catch me humiliating myself for a woman, even if she were a queen. Then Masaka is your queen. Oh no, I've said too much. She's a creature. (laughs) She spends most of her time sleeping. Problem is, what she does when she's awake. Why is he so afraid in the first scene? Or is he just lying here? What? Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That must be the problem with this episode. The inconsistencies of (laughs) (laughs) Ehot. One of many. What's wrong? I'm afraid. Of what? Her. Masaka. Her! Scott Bridge. Report. The archive just activated some sort of tractor beam, sir. We're not able to disengage it. Has there been any damage to the ship? There was an emergency reported in 10 forward. Mr. Worf's on his way. Captain, there's some kind of energy pulse coming through the tractor beam. It's overriding our control systems. I like that shot. They did another sort of track cast. Riker to Jordy. Let go of me. Does it hurt? Yes. She's going to hurt us all. I kind of like that just as a, a moment of data. Well, you've done it, Captain. Using his strength and not really being aware of it. Yeah, like when he picked up that anvil last week. <laughs> yes, but this is when he's hurting someone. How do you know he didn't hurt the anvil? <laughs> I'd say that that is Masaka. He had referred to her as Queen. And it's not unusual in ceremonial cultures to find royalty symbolized by a son. You said the personalities inside Data were in awe of her? Even terrified? Well, according to Data, the sun image is also a symbol for death. See, there it is again. The same U-shaped symbol, small and insignificant. It's an upside-down sun, sir. Captain, this is incredible. It's a smile. It's a Cheshire These artifacts cat. artifacts weren't beamed here from the archives. The matter here in Ten Forward has been transformed. Into living plants? How is that possible? I'm not sure, but bit by bit, this ship is being transformed. We have been receiving reports from the rest of the ship. Part of Deck 12 is now an aqueduct. What are we being transformed into? I'm not sure I want to find out. I don't think we have any choice. We must destroy that archive, Mr. Wolf. Sir, our weapons control systems are inoperative. Weapons. However, we Whoopi. could reconfigure a photon torpedo for a manual launch. Oh, 
Make it so. <laughs> Manual launch. I will throw it. <laughs> Put me at the top of the ship and I'll throw it out. Um, Do it, then, sir. This is the stupidest thing. Let's work on a live photon torpedo right next to the warp core. It's the best place to do it. Let's not do it anywhere near the fucking <laughs> torpedo bay, which they have a set for. Percent. Good, that'll do it. I'm setting the yield and max. Sir, is it a standing set? The onboard no. power systems are not functioning. Standing set means it's always there. Let's see what's going on here. There's a dead Vulcan in here. <laughs> This is the Genesis device. <laughs> snakes. I mean, what do you, what's it going to I would have phasered Not them. Not it had to be snakes. I would have phasered them, which is the danger of having a torpedo in engineering. Well, you would have phasered them even though it was a... Snakes! I would have been like, no, snakes, die! <laughs> you mean just out of panic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I would have set off a torpedo and destroyed yeah. the ship. <laughs> Maybe uh, the torpedo room is filled up with those relics. Head cannon. I love it. The ship gets on fire and they're just like, <laughs> we should go. Engineering to bridge. Emergency transport. Two to beam out. Only two people working in engineering that day. <laughs> it is, yeah. What is that? It's almost like they didn't have a full budget for this episode. I think they had it, but they spent it on comet effects and all these props. It feels... This episode feels almost like a fan a fan film. <laughs> yeah, I could see that for sure. Just because it feels a little sparse in terms of people... The choices are odd. The performances are very arch. <laughs> What's our status? Well, so far, the archive has transformed about 20% of the ship. We've lost main propulsion and the weapon systems in the process. But my room, I still have my room, right? <laughs> my pillow's there. The matter we have on the ship. All my artifacts. The stone, the artifacts, are made much the same way, extrapolating from the ship's own alloys. Apparently, the Archive can reorder and transform molecular structure, including DNA, into anything it wants. So it's using our ship, our alloys, our DNA, to create elements of its own culture. I but thought this was kind of cool. What does the Archive hope to accomplish? Well, whatever the intent that lies behind its process, I'm not going to permit this ship to be turned into an alien city. Miss LaForge, do you have any ideas? You know you want we it. We still haven't been able to cut off that beam. <laughs> But I have managed what if we separated and made that an alien city? Their path. <laughs> if I could locate the transformation program, I might be able to control it. That's a good idea, but I feel that the answer lies there. I like this lighting. With Masaka. <laughs> you must find her. Access her. Talk to her. Possibly woo her. Perhaps I could play the flute. <laughs> how do you how do you sound old? Gravelly voice. 
difficult <laughs> to stay warm. It's actually it's one of the more subtle enough. spiner performances. <laughs> Tell me about Masaka. Huh? My daughter. Tell me, how can I talk to her? Children. Too much tuna. <laughs> What's that? Millennium. Oh, right, right, right. Well, aren't we the persistent one? Hi, Ihan, my best friend. Is anyone else so charming? <laughs> Asaka is taking over my ship. I told you she would. I want to talk with her. But I understand that Kogano is the only one who can do that. Who told you that? An old man. Masaka's father. Oh, yes. Yes. Legend has it she chopped him up and used his bones to make the world. Any wonder he doesn't like to talk about her? How can I find Kogano? I don't know. He's not chasing her anymore. Where has he gone? Stop asking me these questions. I was fast enough to get away from her once. I don't want her to find me again. I'll wind up on her sacrificial slab. Yeah, if she's looking for a sacrifice, she can take me. Perhaps then she'll stop looking for you. The old well, exorcist approach. There's an idea. <laughs> Better you than me. Uh, I was still awake for this part. In this part. If she comes, you will take my place. Yes. Definitely this part, too. So hard to stay warm. Uh, <laughs> are you one of my children? I can't remember anymore. I need your help. I need the sign for the temple, for Masaka's temple. It won't help you. Organo no longer pursues her. Only he can stop her. Don't touch his hand, he'll squeeze it to death. <laughs> yeah, learned that's really, he learned nothing. It's really not smart. A line is the unending horizon. A curve. As the rolling hillside point is a distant burn his arms wide as the rising sun thank you now come sit with me it's a pretty good character in the fire I mean it's no ehad but sure <laughs> You just love your broad Jim Carrey characterizations. Alone. No one left to help me. She's coming. And I was out. Any progress, Mr. LaForge? <laughs> I like to imagine that those three blocks back there are the science officer extras. They've been transformed. Yeah, into these blocks. <laughs> I think I found the archives transformation program. 
What's your take, Blocks? If I input this one, it should initiate the transformation program. And create the temple. Well, I hope so. If this is the wrong symbol, it might turn the Enterprise into a big chunk of rock. No way to know for sure. Question is, can we trust a personality from an alien archive that seems bent on taking us over? He had risked his life to show me that symbol. And Masaka killed him for doing it. I think we have to risk it. What? <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> Initiate transformation. I'm putting the symbol now. seem that this is Masaka's temple. There is no one else here. Ehat said that if we created the temple, then it would get her attention. It may be some time before she shows herself. How will she do that? I don't know. Captain. Take a look at this. It's a cool set. I mean, bless the director. He's really trying to make it interesting. <laughs> this is the first time I've seen these two symbols paired. That could be significant. Mm, probably not. Look, there it is again. <laughs> and I'm again. going to sit on this gold throne and pretend and that I'm in charge. This is obviously an important pairing. He isn't chasing her anymore. I have a tricorder so? now. He had <laughs> said that someone called Corgano isn't chasing Masaka anymore. And the old man said he pursues her no longer. In a sense, the small symbol might be seen to be chasing Masaka. Well, the symbol suggests antlers of some kind, uh, horns. Maybe it is meant to represent it's like a highly subjective an interpretation. Definitely animal something animal for killing. Many cultures. <laughs> that smaller symbol could represent Corgano. He and the old man said that Corgano was. This is all nonsense. And it's very long. <laughs> this <also>. is all <laughs> nonsense. Which is like, this is the part of the. This is like this is where the episode just has left any sense of the rails. And is on a crash course for stupidity. It has, like, it was veering that way anyway. And now this whole section, this whole act, is nonsense upon nonsense. What a pro Patrick Stewart is, though. He just never stops fucking selling it. <laughs> Not none of us have any idea what's going on. She might have a counterpart, a consort. Look around, see if you can see that horn-like symbol anywhere else. Doesn't even look like a horn. Data at the spa. <laughs> His brow glistening. <laughs> Just in the steam room, listening to the new agey music. Yeah, definitely. How are we gonna? How are we gonna keep Data in there? We'll put one guy out there. <laughs> That'll stop him. Did I just see a boom in the shot? I think you just saw an ancient relic in the shape of a boom. 
let's say, oh, did you see it? No, I didn't see it. Take a look at the bottom of the frame. See where I'm circling with this arrow here. Okay. In the in the hallway shot. Oh, no, it's just a shoe. It's a shoe. It's a shoe from the other guy. It's a shoe, out. guys. <laughs> shoe. It's a shoe. The episode is perfect. <laughs> I see. Masaka and Gorgano switching positions. The sun setting and the moon rising. Exactly. They also had to give Worf something to do, but this seems totally off character for Worf. This is so the fucking... This is so the language. Darmok and Jalad. Very much. This is bananas. Everything is bananas here. Yeah, two powerful rulers. It really does seem like... In a continual cycle. It's like if... It, like I was saying fan film before. It also is like if one of us had a dream that was a Next Generation episode. <laughs> and it's like, what really makes sense? And you'd be like, it was kind of weird in the middle and boring. And then they were I don't looking know at what a bunch I of was smoking and, in the Alps, but this yeah. is what I came up with. <laughs> one of them can be in ascendance at any given time. If we can find Kogano in the archive and bring him out, and perhaps so he could force Saka to leave. But would we be better off with him? Nihat and the others didn't seem to be frightened of Kogano. Sir? Masaka. There's never a moment in the episode where Deanna says, I sense emotion from Data. Is there? No. Because that's that's what I thought she was going to say when he says it's Masaka. I thought she was, the the, the te- the, you know, whatever, the actanger was going to be Captain, I feel sense emotion in him, which I thought would have been kind of a cool twist. I assume that it was sensed. I don't know. She it's, did just notice him there before anybody else. So. Her, I mean, in fairness, she was be. looking that way. <laughs> Please hear us. Your archive is destroyed. I, I do not hear you. She will not even listen to us. We must kill her. Or <laughs> slow down. Uh, um linked with Masakas. All right, Mr. Forge, I want you to access the transformation program. And when you're ready, input the symbol. Isn't that a little risky? Yes. We have no idea this actually what is very Ghostbusters-y. anything from Kogano's temple to Kogano In terms himself. of the setup. In one sense, Kogano is Masaka's nemesis. And whatever this symbol represents, it could be for us a means to control her. Now, if anyone has a better idea, I'm very happy to entertain it. I've accessed we could the all uh, head to the escape pods. <laughs> Initiate the transformation. I want to put it on. Nobody touch it. Give me that bit of the forge. <laughs> Give me their mask. You know, we could be going about this all the wrong way. This is a very ritualistic culture, one based on symbol and myth. Perhaps we should try to confront them on those terms. If I could somehow incorporate myself in their ritual, then perhaps Masaka would listen to me. <laughs> You're going to try to pose as Gorgano? 
Captain, we know so little about this culture and even less about Corgano. How would you convince Masaka that you're him? Oh God, this is so stupid. I assume I would have sex with uh, her. <laughs> I'd kiss. I'd kiss her on the mask. <laughs> I can't tell you how virile I'm feeling right now. I can't explain <laughs> it to any of you. Corgano, are you surprised to see me? I thought I had escaped you. You should know that is impossible. You are a fine hunter. But I am a powerful prey. You will never catch me. Do you want to be the prey forever? I thought I was alone. <laughs> I can't even. I thought I would not have to share the sky with you. But without me, you are not complete. The image so of him with that mask on is so amazing. Chase, as do I. Will you not miss being the hunter? Pursuing me? Forcing this is a great Halloween costume. So <laughs> Picard have well, a car uniform and that fucking I mask. That you are beginning to tire. It is difficult. It's like he's trying to hypnotize her. I am getting sleepy. So sleepy. All she does is sleep. I am eager for that. So. Transport data to the city. So hang on. Picard convinces. As am I. Convinces. <laughs> Data Masaka to go to sleep, and that's how it ends. Yeah, this is where I woke up. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Riker to Picard. I don't know what you did, sir, but it looks like everything's back to normal. I don't know what I did either. Number one, I just told her to go to sleep. Knowledge, <laughs> Mister Data. You all right? I believe so, sir. I am not entirely certain what has happened. Have I been dreaming again? I'm afraid that would take some time to explain. We're going to be best friends now. Captain's <laughs> log, Stardate 47618.4. Commander LaForge has managed to disable the alien transformation program. Starfleet has dispatched an archaeological team to study like that would have been a bigger part of the story. But I don't understand. I thought all of the alien artifacts had disappeared from the Enterprise. That one was not created by the archives, sir. That is the clay mask I originally made. I have since painted it. Memento. Yes, sir. I know Although you I am affinity for them, so I've to be rid given of those alien you. personalities. <laughs> In a sense, I am now empty. Hmm. I can imagine. Doctor Crusher told me that there were possibly dozens of personalities inside you. I suspect the number was much greater. My impression is that there were thousands. Perhaps she should autopsy me, and we'll find out. <laughs> it was a remarkable experience. Well, Data, you never may become fully human, but you've had an experience that transcends the human condition. You've been an entire civilization. In a shitty mask. <laughs> wow. We did it. I don't... I don't... I don't even... 
I don't even know. Look, it goes fully off the rails. Yeah. But the swings are so big, and it's so kind of cool looking. It has some things going for it. Could be besides uh, Picard, Masaka, Masaka, sure, obviously uh, Corgano. I think Corgano is the one that Corgano that, uh, might be the yeah. most valuable. Although the old man did give the symbol away. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Riker didn't do a ton. Beverly saw the statue. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's uh, it's Captain Archaeology, Indiana Bones himself. <laughs> Good job, sir. We sit and watch, and then we hang and talk. But the podcast isn't over just yet. How many Andy's does this episode get? Um, I don't know. I think this is kind of the same thing. There's been a couple of episodes that were batshit. That I kind of respect the swing. <laughs> sure. Um, and it makes me want to give some points for it. And uh, it is like the performances are crazy. But it's just like some of the... the Spiner's has to do so much. Dig himself out of so deep a hole. And so is Stuart. And Stuart is steadfast. And Spiner delivers, I think, on three out of the whatever many people. Like at least two. Um, are just like good characterizations that aren't insane and then some are insane but even the insane ones are kind of like well it's always fun to watch really where I where I deduct the most points is that middle section where it's just him you know trying to translate all the all the hieroglyphics and that, figure like, out what's going on the last two acts of the show it's so long oh that my that God. really it's is where it, where it starts to die on the vine well, it's like you, if you just tuned into that part of it, you'd have no fucking clue. Right. So I guess I would uh, I would give it some points for the good stuff. And overall, I would say that this is a disaster. But it's not disaster numbers. I'm going to give it a four. Wow. I got I to gotta, I gotta give it a one. Yep. And the one is based solely on the strength of the performances of Patrick Stewart and Michael Dorn. Michael Dorn. <laughs> Unsung hero Michael Dorn. <laughs> Staying quietly out of harm's way in the <laughs> Quietly seething and hating the episode. <laughs> he All thinks right. if this is in fact the episode that he hates. <laughs> Let's watch the trailer for Eye of the Beholder. Okay. Next episode of TNG. It began with a terrifying vision. No! That leads Troy into a forbidden affair. Why didn't we do this a long time ago? But behind the romance... I will meet you in your quarters later. ...lies a telepathic nightmare. I know what I have to do. ...that pushes her to the darkest edge of destruction. Stop it! Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Turning up the heat on Worf Deanna. Turning up the heat on Andy Secunda is more like it. <laughs> hubba hubba. Andy needs a girlfriend. Maybe like better than a TNG romance plot. Maybe uh, 
maybe this will show you how to love again, you know? Oh, man, that'd be nice. Whatever whatever murderous plans happen in this episode that I forget. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's happening. That's going to be coming up next week. Uh, if anybody wants to hear us talk about Season 2 of Picard, head over to Patreon. You can join. Five bucks a month gets you a bunch of episodes, including the Picard episodes. If you want to get all the episodes... That's President Circle, and uh, quite frankly, we'd be love we'd love to have you. Um, in a way, I'm excited to not have to watch masks again. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, we've uh, we've done our duty. Uh, is, oh no! Uh, Were you going to say something? Disengage, <laughs> Captain. <laughs> oh no, Ehad, get out of here. Where's Andy? I want I'm telling you, no, it's only oh, me. Damn it, Eha. <laughs> where is Masaka? <laughs> Masaka. <laughs> I'm Organo. <laughs> All right, this is dumb. Okay, bye everyone. Disengage. <laughs>